Hi, and welcome to Cameron's Baptist Church Sermons Podcast. We hope you're blessed by today's message. Um, I want to read Luke chapter 22, verse 14 uh, onwards. You can have your Bible either on your mobile, but if you want to turn your mobile, put on silent or on a vibrant, whatever it is, but just put it silent will be better. Uh, I don't think God will speak to you over the phone this morning. Um, I'm reading from the New International Version. Verse 14 starts, When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until he finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks and broke it, gave it to them saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood which is poured out for you. It's poured out for you. Father, we want to ask you to bless us this morning and to understand what we do here. In Jesus' name, Spirit of God, speak to us. Guide us, lead us, inspire us, I pray. I depend on you 100%. Don't let me on my own. Take control, I pray. Please, Holy Spirit of God, Amen. We just read this text here. But observing the expression, do this, what does it comes to your mind? Do this. I believe that when it comes to the expression, do this, we realize that it is an ordinance from Jesus. Do this. He's saying, do this. It is imperative. And it becomes even more evident that it is an ordinance for the church. When Jesus repeats this expression, he says, every time you do this, do this, and every time you do this, that means now he's establishing a, something special for us to celebrate, showing that this act should be part of our Christian practice. This is part of our Christian practice. So the Lord's Supper, if we understand to 
what is going on here, what Jesus is establishing. I just want to, my, my first statement is that the Lord's Supper is a memorial. Nowhere in the scripture it does it mention that the bread and the wine literally becomes the body and blood of the Lord. In the hour we partake it, or we partake of it. On the contrary, Jesus makes it clear the symbolic nature of the act that he says, do this in memory of me or in remembrance of me. So the Lord's Supper is a time to remember. To remember what he did for us by dying on the cross for the remission of our sins. When we celebrate it, we are announcing the death of the Lord until he returns. That's what we state. That's what we read. So the elements here are therefore figurative, not literal. But there are a few things that when Paul states, especially in 1 Corinthians, that are literal, which I will come to in, in, in a bit. Hello. Let, let him be. You know, Easterners place great value on alliances and they respect them. If you look at the ancient times, how alliances were made. I don't know if you can picture Genesis chapter 15, if I'm not mistaken, when Abraham, God looked, uh, God shows him a vision. And as you go through that vision, he's walking through, there is sacrifice. Do you know how he, he, he used to be? When a king, when they used to do this covenant in those times, they would take animals and they would cut the animals in half and put the side, every side of the animal, so the animals will be brought by both parties. So they would cut the animals in half, put one half on one side, put the other half on the other side, and the blood would just run through that corridor, and both of them would walk across. Meaning, it is a covenant, it's a blood covenant that can never be broken. Whoever breaks that covenant is liable to death. So when Jesus establishes bread and wine as an element of supper, he knew exactly what he was doing. For the Jews, the bread and wine were part of a blood covenant ritual, which is the highest level of covenant one could submit to. So by entering into an alliance at this level, the two parties were declaring that they were mixing their lives and everything that they, they were and, and they kind of belong to one another, one become the other and vice versa. So that's why Jesus declared at the supper that the cup was the covenant in his blood. Thus establishing at the supper a covenant ritual. What we do here, it is a ritual act. So in the Old Testament we see, as I said, Abraham to also to meet Melchizedek, priest, the 
you know, the highest God, who is, you know, he was the high priest. And he bring, what does he bring him? He brings him bread and wine. What was this? Have you ever thought about it? A ritual of alliance. When we eat, we recognize that we really are associated with Christ. And that our lives are mixed or merged into one another. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 17 says, But whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in his spirit or in the spirit. You know, Jesus made it very clear to those who followed him that he was not enough to just sympathize with him or following him for the miracles he performed. But that an alliance was necessary, a covenant was necessary, an alliance at the highest and most sacred level that the Jews knew so well, which was called the blood covenant. Many do not understand this because they do not know the customs at the time, but it was this type of covenant that Jesus was referring to when he said these words in John chapter 6, verse 53 to 56, which I'm going to read it for you. He said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. It is obvious that Jesus was not talking about literally eating his flesh, neither drinking his blood literally but rather was about a covenant about a mixture of life so this becomes clear when the master concludes by saying that such a person would remain in him and he would be remaining in this person have you ever made a covenant with Christ so this, this text also um, does not speak direct, directly about the supper, but rather about our covenant with Christ. Although he makes clear what the supper is, which is a covenant ritual where we witness communion between ourselves and the Lord Jesus Christ. So the Lord's Supper is not only a ritual, the Lord's Supper is a time of communion and fellowship. You know, in apostolic times, um, suppers were also called agapes, which is feast of love. You, you, I mean, if you want a reference to that feast of love, Jude verse um, 12 I think talks about it, but he talks in a, in a way that he's condemning those who are participating and just uh, taking a, 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 a make out of it or not doing uh, with the right purpose, but which reflects part of the purpose when it's called agapes. 
So the emphasis on the expression body that we find in the biblical teaching of the supper reflects this vision of unity and communion. That's why we call it communion. So the table is a place of communion. In practically all cultures and times, the Lord's table also has these characteristics. So when you want to have fellowship with somebody, what do you do? You invite them for a, for a dinner, right? Or for, for a time, for a table with you. <clears throat> Isn't that right? When you have some fellowship with somebody, you invite them to eat at your house. Eat with you. You're very welcome to invite me. <laughs> You're very welcome to come to my house also. You know, the Lord's Supper is also an act of spiritual consequences. Here is where I want to put my emphasis this morning. The Lord's Supper is an act of spiritual consequences, but what kind of consequences? You know, in Paul's epistles of Corinthians, the first one, it is clear that the Lord's Supper has spiritual consequences. It will always be a moment of blessing or curse for those who participated in it. But let me tell you about the blessing. Although the, 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 the Bible doesn't use the word curse, I'm just uh, putting it in this way. But let me talk about the blessing part of it. You ready for the blessing? 1 Corinthians 10 verse 16 says, The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a sharing in the blood of Christ? That's the blessing. What does the blood of Christ do for you? Can do for you? That's how you shed the blessing of the blood of Christ. The bread that we break, is it not the sharing of the body of Christ? What does happen in the body of Christ? What is the blessing of being in the body of Christ? This is the blessing we share. Note the term cup of blessing. This is not figurative. Okay? That's real. That is real. The Lord's Supper brings spiritual blessing to those who partake of it. The Lord's Supper brings spiritual blessing. Another term used is the verse which reveals something important to us. And which is communion. So when we take part, we are activating a powerful principle by faith. We have communion with the blood and the body of Christ. What does it mean? When he shed his blood, Jesus did so for the remission of our sins. So when we partake the blood, what kind of blessing are we experiencing? I tell you, purification and also protection. As the devil cannot overcome the power of the blood and touches. Hallelujah. It is expressed. You can see that in Exodus chapter 12 when the blood was sprinkled on, on the doorpost. And you can also see that in Revelation chapter 12 verse 12. That's how the powerful blood of the Lamb, that's what the power of the blood of Jesus can do for you. 
And what does it mean to have communion with the body? The body of Jesus was crushed because he took upon himself our infirmities. He carried our pains upon himself and by his wounds we were healed. It is right there in, in Isaiah chapter 53. I'm not going to tell you which verse because you can read it all. But you, when you get to five, you have read it all. You know, Christ's redeeming work provides us with physical healing. And the Lord's Supper is a moment where we can taste the blessing of health and healing. Is anybody sick here this morning? And I want to declare it in, in Jesus' name for your life, the blessing of healing and health for you this morning in Jesus' name as you partake with us the Lord's Supper. Many were weak and sick in the church in Corinth because they did not discern the Lord's body in the supper. You know, when taking about, uh, when, when we're about to take the communion, we must examine ourselves. But when talking about communion with the body of the Lord, Paul was referring not only to the body of the crucified Lord through which we are healed, but also to the resurrected body, hallelujah, in which all the fullness of the divine nature dwells and is a source of life to those who participate in this table with him. You can find eternal life in Christ Jesus. And every time we do it, we do in remembrance of him. We also partake that life. We share that life. So the Lord's Supper should be a special moment of communion, reflection, devotion, faith, and worship. Hallelujah. Everything must be done from the heart and with reverence as it is an act of spiritual consequences now that I have shared about the blessings let me share you about the cursing part of it you know as I said the, the Bible does not specifically use this word curse but it shows that the curse can come as a judgment from God on those who dishonor the Lord's Supper you know, after having said that by participating at the Lord's table, one is announcing the death of Jesus until he comes. Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit of God, brings the following warning to us. Therefore, whoever eats the bread and, or drinks the cup of the Lord unworthily will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Let a man therefore examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For whoever eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment upon himself. This is the reason why there are many among you who are weak and sick, and not a few who sleep. You see this word, not a few, there are many people dying. This is sleep here, the word sleep here is the word death. Is dying before their time. Why? Because they're bringing judgment upon themselves. Some people don't understand why their lives are the way they are because you're probably not understanding when you come together to partake the Lord's Supper, you're not discerning the body and the supper and the blood of the Lamb. 
Because if we judge ourselves, we wouldn't be judged. But when judged, we are disciplined by the Lord so that we will not be condemned with the world. You know, for many people, the Lord's Supper is something that scares them. They prefer not to partake in it when they do not feel worthy so as not to be judged. Let me put this way. But see that the Bible does not tell us to stop taking it. But rather to do a self-examination beforehand because if there is anything or a need to get it right, we should do so as quick as possible before we partake. And God can do that. You know, 1 John chapter 1, 9, what does it say? Huh? If we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So there is no reason for you to say, I'm not taking the supper this morning because I feel unworthy. Let me tell you, we, we are not worthy ourselves. But it's the one who makes us worthy. He's only do it because of the blood of the Lamb. But we must confess our sins. To fail to participate in the Lord's table is to dishonor it as well. What you're saying is that the, there is no power and the blood of Christ to forgive my sins or to clean to cleanse me from all my unrighteousness. Unless you want to stay or live the life you're living now, yes, I would uh, uh, warn you not to. We should look forward to the moment when we will share it and not avoid it. But there are those who want to pretend that they are well and participate without any hesitation in what is sacred. And no, for these, judgment will not be delayed, I tell you. That's why we need to take it seriously. You know, participating at the Lord's table has a spiritual consequences, as I said. Either the Christian is blessed or he is judged there is no middle ground here the meal is not just a symbolism you do not participate in the Lord's Supper like you would in any other ceremony as it is a moment sanctified by God established by Christ it has implications in the spiritual realm we must do it consciously but wholeheartedly and in humility. But who participates in the Lord's Supper? The Supper as a ritual of covenant that it is. It is therefore intended for those who are already in alliance with Christ. Take that into consideration. Have you made your covenant with Christ? Have you confessed Christ as Lord and Savior of your life? The Lord's Supper is for you. If you haven't, please be aware. That is, those who have already been born again and are in full communion with God, or fellowship with the Lord. You know, there are churches who only serve a supper to those who belong to their membership role. We consider this a big mistake um, because the Lord's Supper is for those who serve Him with all their hearts, regardless of whether the person joins our uh, local church or not. 
I remember very well when I was small, I used to go to a Baptist church. I grew up in a Baptist church. And I remember very well the pastor, when he was, he was celebrated, said, I'll invite all of you who are from the same faith and the same order. I said, what order? That means if you're a Baptist, you're welcome. If you're not Baptist, you're not welcome to participate here at the Lord's Supper with us. How rubbish that could be. No, it's the Lord's Supper. Do you belong to the Lord? Then you're invited to the Lord's table. And actually, the table of the Lord is for sinners. Are you a sinner? The table is for you. There you will find forgiveness. There you'll find love. There you'll find fellowship. But you want to stay. Once you, once you do that, remember you must stay there. Don't go back to your old life. No, there are also those who claim that only those who have already been baptized in water can participate in the Lord's Supper, but there is no biblical support for this. But however, I will say it again. If you know that the Lord Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life and is your Savior, you're welcome to participate. From the moment a person commits to Christ, if their decision, in their decision, they are already within the covenant signed by Jesus on the cross. We understand that, and I strongly believe that uh, the, the new covenant should be sent. Or, 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 sorry, the new converts should be sent for baptism. They should be encouraged to be baptized. Is anybody here has not been baptized yet? Come and talk to me. It is a time for you to be baptized. And as soon as possible, if you do that, if you believe in Christ, Jesus, your Lord and Savior. So the basic criteria are being in alliance with Christ and having an orderly spiritual life. However, we do not prohibit anyone from participating. We just teach what the Bible says so that each person can judge themselves. That's what Paul says. Not even Judas Iscariot. Even the text that we read, if you go a little bit fur, uh, 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 before, you see what Jesus does. He was not only in sin, but he was demon-possessed. Jesus didn't prohibit him to participate in the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the table with him, did he? No, he showed him love. You know, the biblical instruction is that a person should examine himself or herself and not be examined by others who am I to examine you so therefore we do not examine anyone nor do we prohibit them we only instruct them I'm only warning you that it is a an act of spiritual consequences if the person insists on participating in an unworthy manner he will receive the divine judgment and for that we are warned by Paul and the Holy Spirit of God. So there is no shame in, in, in letting the bread and the wine pass by you. Shame you should feel when confronted with your lifestyle and you don't want to change. That you should be ashamed and repentful of. So in the drama to close my message this morning, the drama of the upper room, the disciples were not just as spectators. 
they were participants. Jesus not only broke the bread, but he gave them to eat. Not only did he pour the wine into the cup, but he also gave it to them to drink. Likewise, it was not enough just to explain to them that Christ had to die, that he had to die. They had to lay hold of the blessing of his death. And so do we. And so do we this morning. The act of eating the bread and drinking the wine was, and still is, a living parable of receiving Christ as our crucified Savior and feeding on Him in our hearts through faith. Holy Communion, as instituted by Jesus, let me tell you, was not a sentimental forget-me-not statement. It wasn't. Rather, it was a drama with a great wealth of spiritual meaning and consequences. And Paul says that we should not eat the bread and drink the cup in an unworthy manner. So what I would like to call you this morning, to bow your heads and examine yourselves before eating the bread and drinking from the cup. You may need to exercise forgiveness this morning as you do towards somebody. So I would like you so to do it right now. Do you have anyone to forgive this morning? Are you feeling somehow that you need to forgive somebody? You may need to let it go of that addiction of yours. That is pulling you back every time and preventing you from honoring the Lord Jesus Christ in your life. Do you have anything like that in your life that you should let it go? You may need to talk to your spouse or children and get that relationship right. You may need to ask the Lord to help you at the workplace and get the job done without complaining if you're boss is paying you less or is not paying what you're worth if you're not happy look for another job but don't start mourning or don't start complaining about your boss if you do your job God will honor you God will lift you up there and when the time comes for people to be redundant it's not going to be you because you're doing what God called you to do do it happily do it as for the Lord, because it's your testimony that counts. As I said, if you're not happy, look for another job. But don't sin against the Lord. Don't give a bad testimony by, oh, you know, they don't pay me well. Everybody here is horrible. Maybe you are miserable. You need the Lord Jesus to change your life. Do it as for the Lord, I say, and the Lord will bless you tremendously. If there is anyone here today living a double life, God is calling you to change your heart. Stop with the foot on the world and the one in the church. The Lord knows you well. He said, I know your works. I know you. The Holy Spirit is contending with you right now. Please examine yourself. Let's bow our heads and confess. Repent. 
as before we take part of the Lord's table this morning. While I'm going to pray, I'm going to ask you to bow your head and think about what the Lord has spoken to you this morning. Lord Jesus, I bow before you in humility and ask you to examine my heart today. Show me anything that is not pleasing you, Lord, or pleasing to you. Reveal any secret pride, any unconfessed sin, any rebellious attitude or unforgiveness that uh, may be hindering my relationship with you. Lord, as I take the bread representing your life that was broken for me, I remember and celebrate your faithfulness to me and all who will receive you. Lord, I can't begin to fathom the agonizing suffering of your crucifixion, and yet you took that pain for me. You died for me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your extravagant love and unmerited favor towards me. Thank you that uh, your death gave me life, abundant life now, and eternal, eternal life forever. Lord, as you instructed your disciples, I too receive this bread in remembrance of you. And in the same way as I take this cup representing your blood, pour out for, you know, from that splintered cross, I realize that you were the supreme sacrifice for all my sins, past, present, and future. But Lord, let me not take your grace for granted. And every day remember that I need to come before you at the foot of the cross and carry my cross and follow you every day. Lord, because of your blood shed for me and your body given for me, I can be free from the power and penalty of sin. Hallelujah. Today we all remember and celebrate the precious gift of life. You have, Lord, gave us through the blood that you spilled. So, Lord, before we take communion today, I pray for my brother and my sister. And we ask you that you truly search our hearts and reveal hidden things for which to ask your forgiveness, Lord. Each time we take communion, Lord, we want to recommit our lives, our hearts, our thoughts, our everything to you. Fill us today with your powerful spirit. Lord, as we leave this place, help us to hold this fresh remembrance and the story that never grows old, close to our hearts. And every time we do this in remembrance of you, we feel the same thing that we need you desperately. Help us to share this message faithfully as you give us opportunity to do so. And I pray for each and every one here this morning. I pray life into the body of everyone here. We, Lord, we minister healing in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, let be healing. Let your forgiveness reach out right now. I pray in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's sing a song together. And he gave thanks. And he distributed, gave to his disciples. And he said, this is my body, 
which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. I'd like us to pray for the bread. And I'm going to ask Sharina to pray and give thanks to the bread for us. So we fear in our hearts, but a weird certainty that the same health that we find in Christ Jesus, in the body of Christ, as you're taking this bread right now, spiritually and also physically, let the Holy Spirit of God minister health to you, to your body, whatever part of your body, even your mind, your sight, you know, your joints, whatever it is, be touched now. In Jesus' name, let's eat it together. In the same way, after they have eaten, he took the cup and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. What he was saying is, this is not a covenant like before. That you have to do every time. Come to the temple and sacrifice. No, he was the sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice for all of us. This is my blood which is shed, which is poured out for you. It's poured out for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Hallelujah. Oh, that give me good, you know. Bumps. because I know there is power in the blood of Jesus Father we want to thank you once again for the wine that represents your blood the blood of the covenant that not only Lord forgive our sins but to sealed the covenant with you that would have free access to your throne of grace to your Holy Presence, O oh God. Thank you, Jesus, for your blood. Help us this morning, I pray. In Jesus' name, we fear in our hearts with humility and with a heart filled with thanks. We take this cup together. In your name, your lovely, powerful name, Jesus. Amen. Let's drink it together, shall we? Thanks for listening. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. If you want more information about Camrose Baptist Church, visit our website, www.camrosebc.org.uk. Follow us on Instagram at Camrose Baptist Church and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Camrose Baptist Church Edgeware.